Hello everyone and welcome back to the Viva Visa podcast, your weekend in the complex journey towards U.S. permanent residency. I'm Amir Said and you're tuned into our very special episode 3, where we take a deep dive into a crucial part of the stages application, the state court process. In our first two episodes, we lay the groundwork, discussing what Special Immigrant Juvenile Status, or known as SIJS CJS, is and who it's for. We've covered the basics and the initial steps, but today, we're zooming in on a critical juncture in your journey, navigating the intricacies of this state court. Now, this state court is not just another step, it's a pivotal battleground where many CJS applications are won or lost. It's here that the fate of many hopefuls is decided. We'll explore the nuances of this process, the common reasons applications stumble, and most importantly, the strategies that lead to success. We've got expert insights, real-life stories, and a comprehensive breakdown of what you can expect and how to prepare. This episode is a must-listen. Whether you're in the midst of your CGS application or just looking to understand more about this unique pathway to immigration. So, get ready for an enlightening journey through the state court makes. We're here to guide you through each twist and turn, helping you move one step closer to achieving your American dream. Stay with us as we delve into the state court process for CGS applicants right here on episode 3 of the Viva Visa podcast. Hey, Kushal, welcome to the show. Hey, Amir, thank you for having me. Good, great. This is our third episode where we will explore a variety of topics. Yes. And I'm sure there are many questions we'll be addressing today. We're going to keep this going. Yeah, good, thank you. Kushal, let's quickly recap. You discussed CGIS in the first two episodes, focusing on the stages crucial for applying for a CGIS case, right? Yeah. Perfect. This is a question. In case where a state court denies or rejects a petition for CGIS, what are the subsequent steps or recourse available to the applicants? Very good question. So um, it depends, Amir. Um, it depends, first of all, in which state court we are, whether we're in a guardianship court or whether we're in a, in a family law court. Uh, but there are several options that can be exercised if the case is denied uh, or rejected. So when we're talking about a denial of a case at the state court level, this means that when the petition for guardianship or custody along with the CIGIS finding has been filed, it means that the judge has reviewed the case and has made a decision that the child is not eligible for either CIGIS or a guardianship or both. So the first option is that um, this uh, the denial can be appealed to a, a next level court. So in this case would be the California Court of Appeals. And depending on the circumstances of the case, um, it, the, the attorney has to evaluate whether it's worth it or not. 
if a case is usually um, denied with prejudice, um, it's unlikely that the child, uh, it's unlikely that the petition can be refiled again. But um, if a case is denied without prejudice, um, and if there has been some issues with the petition or the attorney didn't really do a good job in filing the petition, maybe the petition can be refiled. Now, the question is uh, how much time you have, because CIGIS is a very um, time-specific type of relief. Um, as I mentioned previously, the state court predicate order must be obtained as soon as possible. And um, USCIS has to receive the child's um, CIGIS predicate um, petition and approval at least uh, before the child turns uh, the age of 21. You shouldn't wait all the way um, to file it. That would be kind of uh, unreasonable. But um, that's usually the, the options that can be exercised. Here's a question. What is the second stage after submitting the case in the state court? Um, as I uh, described previously, when the first stage is completed, um, when we receive the predicate orders, then we have to file the I-360 with USCA. Mm -hmm. So once we obtain the orders, then the next step is filing the I-360, the visa, the CIGIS visa with USCIS. How long does it take from the day of submitting the case to receive the court order? Usually, I mean, depending on the court's hearing, usually my estimation has been from the time that the petition is filed with the state court, it usually takes somewhere around three to five months for us to get a hearing and the final, uh, at the final like hearing, uh, so we can obtain the court order. So I would say, a, 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 I'm not gonna say estimate, so I'm gonna say guesstimate. Right, right. right. A guesstimate, um, depending on how busy that court is, uh, and it depending on like whether your sigis is gonna get granted at the first hearing or not, uh, which we usually get our sigis granted at the first hearing. Okay. Uh, Usually you're looking at like three to five months. Okay, here is a scenario some of our uh, audience members ask about. If a child turns 21 in May, but we apply for the petition in March, nearly two months before the actual birthday, and the hearing is in August, what happens to the case? Okay, all right, so in that particular case, um, I also explained this at my previous uh, at the previous episode. So if the if the petition is filed in March and you get a hearing, for example, for the month of August, hmm. in that case, just sitting around and waiting for the hearing to take place um, in August, you're completely um, screwing your client and you're depriving them of the opportunity to apply for their SIGIS uh, with USA. So in that case, um, an ex parte application must be filed in order to advance the hearing to a date mm -hmm. that is done, to a date that is set before the child's 21st uh, birthday. So if the hearing is set for March, you should at least get a hearing that is either like end of, you know, mi middle of April or at least end of April. So that would give you at least a few days to file the I-360 with USCIS, and we have been in this situation. It's very stressful for <laughs> I know. the clients really and us. Yeah, and I actually sometimes have dreams about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have dreams about the cases that 
that we take um, because they're very serious. Um, this, if they don't get the SIGIS or if USAS does not receive the I-360 before they attain 21, it's done. It's done. And that really, it could lead to right, deportation. Right. If we don't get the desired result, which is the predicate order in the first stage at the state court, does the next step potentially lead to the deportation or removal? It, it, it's, it's a very technical question. Okay, so uh, it could lead to deportation uh, or a deportation order by immigration judge. Now, let's break it down um, as to how this can lead to a deportation. Okay, um, a first category would be that if the child is in removal proceedings when the SIGIS petition is taking place uh, with the state court level. So if the child has entered the U.S. and for some reason have been placed in removal proceedings, you have a hearing, uh, a master calendar hearing or an individual hearing that is set by an immigration judge. If um, if the immigration attorney has um, informed the court that they are in the process of applying for SIGIS, the immigration judge wants to know or wants to see the proof of the I-36. Now, let's just say uh, you have a case uh, where the minor is in immigration court, and subsequently you are filing a SIGIS uh, guardianship or a um, custody petition with the state court. So if you, as the attorney, are unable to obtain the SIGIS state court orders, so you can file the I-360 with USCIS, and if you're unable to provide the proof of the predicate orders or the I-360 with the immigration judge, then this can definitely lead into deportation order especially if the child does not have any other reliefs or if their asylum case is not very good, which is very, very, very common. Um, I mean, I can tell you this from practice. I have seen judges grilling immigration attorneys in front of me um, at the, uh, at the immigration, uh, in the immigration court um, because they, the, uh, the immigration attorney was neglectful in pursuing uh, either SIGIS or they have neglected to pursue the SIGIS and the child has aged out. Or the immigration attorney has neglected this and they have been unable to obtain the predicate order to file the I-360 so they can pr provide the proof with the immigration judge. And the immigration judge said, you know what, I'm done with this. I provided you enough time to provide this to me. Now I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go forward with this case and I'm going to issue a deportation order with uh, to this child that you um, as the attorney have uh, misrepresented at the immigration court. I have seen this in front of my eyes. Yeah. Like um, there was Judge Tabador who was in charge of uh, the SIGIS cases or uh, was in charge of the minor uh, cases in, in 606 South Olive Street in the downtown LA immigration court. I have seen this happen. So if if the child is in removal proceeding, right? So they're in court. And the attorney, the immigration attorney, let me just rephrase it. Yeah. If the child is in immigration court and the child is eligible for SIGIS, 
and the immigration attorney is unable to provide proof of the I-360 or the CISR findings, would the immigration judge at some point removal proceedings will continue and the immigration judge will issue a removal order or a deportation order that can be very difficult to reopen and can ultimately lead to the removal, physical removal of the child once the case is terminated. So timing of this is very important because the majority of clients that we also represent are from um, Central America. And most of these children that come into the U.S. that are unaccompanied minors. And most of them, for, the, for what we have, um, they do qualify for stages and asylum. And they usually don't have a good asylum case. So... Uh, CIGIS is their only way out. And I tell them this at my consultation. You know, when they meet with me, I tell them, you want a green card? You want to make sure that you pursue a proper relief in order to have a legal status in the U.S. You must do CIGIS correctly from the beginning all the way to the end. Now, if the child is not in removal proceeding, right? So they're not continuously being, uh, I would say, what's the word? Uh, not controlled, but continually, uh, continuously being... Um, observed? Thank you. <laughs> if, if the case uh, are not being continuously observed by the immigration judge, then they're not going to be subject to uh, a deportation. However, if the child qualifies for CIGIS, and CIGIS is not pursued timely and they age out, that's a done deal. Can attorneys not intervene at this stage? The moment the child turns 21, it's a done deal. So if USCIS does not receive the child's I-360 with the proper predicate orders before they turn 21, that's it. So the I only thing you can do is, <laughs> is, 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 is do some sort of a magic right, and right. go back in time exactly. in order for USCIS to accept because they are very strict about this. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've done appeals for cases where with USCIS where the I-360 was received after they turned 21 and explained so many circumstances. USCIS is very, 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 and I'm going to say again, very rigid about this. This is a bottleneck. If USCIS doesn't receive any evidence or predicate order from the state court regarding the child being under custody of someone, an agency, or the court itself, then the case cannot move forward. Is that correct? It would be, it's more of an if-then type of thing. Yeah. So if there is A, then it must be B. Right. If there is no state court yeah. predicate order or order, then then filing any petition for the I-360 with USCIS is com completely uh, frivolous. And right. it, it doesn't get you anywhere. Hmm. There must be a custody or guardianship order that appoints an individual in the custody of uh, the child. Yeah. And the court must make the findings that reunification with one or both parents is not viable due to neglect, abandonment, and, and or abuse, and it is not in the child's best interest to return to their home country. If any of these are, are missing, um, USCIS may not necessarily 
deny the case right away. They may issue a request for evidence for you to provide one more opportunity to they you. They give you space to buy the time, in fact. To, to, yeah, to, to provide this evidence. But if, there, if the state court has not issued those, these orders, then there's nothing you can do. Nothing can be done at the immigration level because it is the, 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 the petition is um, based on the, court fi- the court, state court order and the state okay. court finding. In the first stage concerning the state court, we need to consider three things. Number one, age limits and the time a child has. Yes. Number two, providing sufficient evidence that it's in the child's best interest to stay in the United States due to neglect, abuse, or other circumstances, as previously mentioned. Absolutely. And three, ensuring there is ample time for the state court to work on the case and issue the state court order. Right, correct. Which we then submit with the I-360. I-360, yes. So I emphasize this for our audience. It's not just about your situation. A significant part of your case hinges on timing. And I, you I must... Think, I, think, I think act fast. Exactly. I'll tell you what, okay. Being in the uh, field of immigration for so many years, this is what we say among other colleagues. And especially, particularly related to sigis, uh, in in immigration and in sigis, if you have something good, if you have a relief available, push it through, get it right, done, right, right. Because because immigration law is also very administrative oriented. That means with different administrations, with different presidents. USCIS can act differently. Right. We have experienced that with uh, Trump, right. with Biden, exactly. with Obama, and then with previous administrations as well. And and every each administration has its own agenda. And yeah. unfortunately, sometimes they tend to target different groups. You know, mm. so an administration cannot necessarily change the laws about sieges right. because right. that's what Congress has made designate. But they can but they can delay the process or they can cause delays in the process. Exactly. So right. if you have a child or if the child is eligible for sigis, get an attorney, contact us. We'll file the uh, sigis petition with the court as soon as possible. We'll get the state quarter, file the I-360, and then wait for the next step to happen for them. Right. And another benefit of filing the I-360 are the following. Number one, Especially with the recent changes, um, USCIS has actually issued uh, a, a memorandum hmm. uh, and uh, an authority allowing SIGIS applicants to apply for work authorization with the I-360 approval on the deferred action. This was not done before. Okay. Right. Number two, if you have a child that is eligible for SIGIS and they already have I-360 pending or they have I-360 approval. Right, right. They are going to be prevented from being deported. So if they get picked up by ICE or if they get in removal proceedings and their only issue is that they encountered ICE because of their unlawful status, Mm. immigration judges are more than likely going to close the case and they say, well, this person is going to be eligible for SIGIS. Right. Well, all we have to do is just wait for their priority date to become current so they can apply for the green card. So, SIGIS 
is very time oriented. Right, right. You can't sit on it. You gotta pursue it. Perfect. Okay, Kusha. Thanks for joining us, and I want to say thank you to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed and learned from today's episode. Make sure to check out the show notes with the description for access to our website, and also make sure to share this episode with your friends and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate hearing feedback from you, so please share a review for this episode or check out our website and ask your questions. We are located in two one zero three one Ventura Boulevard, Suite Number Seven Six Zero, Woodland Hills, California Nine One Three Six. You can also call us at 213-204-6500. Until the next episode, take care and bye.